You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to Extra Takes Podcast. And so I got Matt Shiles. He's back with me. So he did not get fired last week. He <laughs> has a voice for radio yes. is what he said. Don't know about the face, but a voice. Absolutely. Now, oh, that's that's from him, not from me. So don't get mad at me. He's, <laughs> he's the one who was saying that. And then Teresa McCaskill, she is back with us. So welcome, Matt and Teresa. Thanks. Yes, thanks. Glad to be back. Well, it is good for you to be back, and I love the questions that you asked last week. And so what I'm going to do is just, because I know this past week was, it was a lot. It was intense. There was a lot of a lot of movement throughout the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the Gospels. And so I, I know that there might be some things that we want to drill down on. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Matt, and uh, Teresa and I, we will engage. All right, great. Let's do it. So as a reminder, we are in the Made for Mission series, September 10th and 11th. We were in Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, but we were in like 25 other scriptures. So <laughs> Ooh, We love the Bible. So, which is normally how I don't like to do it. But when you're, when you're trying to paint a, a broad picture, like a biblical theology, yeah. it, it, it is important. So there, there, there are times where, yes, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, but I typically don't do that because it is. It's a lot of, you know, back and forth or, you know, going from one scripture to the next. And it's hard to kind of go, uh, okay, that's okay. Connect the dots when you go through so many scriptures so soon, like like I did. Yes, but if it's going to be a fire hose, if you're going to saturate us, do it with scripture. So that's great. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so our uh, main point was God's people need a king to keep them on mission, and we had this idea of of a man after God's own heart. And David is one who carries out the purposes of God, and I want to lay out. Remind us those those seven ideas. He loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, and mind. He embodied the Lord's characteristics. He fought the Lord's enemies and liberated the Lord's people. He listened to the Lord. He desired to build for the Lord a God-glorifying city and nation. And finally, he sought to make the Lord known among the nations. So first question, it'll we'll start out a little lighthearted. So you mentioned Saul, and you compared him to a popular cultural icon. Do you remember Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Exactly. Yeah, I wish we would have had a picture. That would have been funny for <laughs> us to put that up there because yeah, that that was probably what he at least looked like in in the sense of he looked the part of a, a warrior king. So mm -hmm. so the picture might have been helpful because my mom was in town from New Smyrna, yeah. and she leaned over and said, "Who?" Oh, really? <laughs> oh, so I was wondering, uh, yeah. are our moms similar? Right? Uh, do, does your mom know who The Rock is? or do they have I that have in ask, I would have to ask my mom. <laughs> okay. AKA so BB. I, I did meet her so, this weekend. Oh, it was great she to said, meet. yeah, because you, you oh. even said her nickname, BB. I did, yes. So, yeah. BB. <laughs> For my girls, uh, The Rock is Maui. From Moana, oh, so they would know the rock so they, they because know. of, yeah. of yeah. Maui. Okay. Yeah, but I, I really did want to give the picture of who David would have looked like, hmm. and he would have looked like Kevin Hart. 
So, <laughs> and, and, and actually, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, they're in a few movies together. So if you see them standing side by side, that kind of would give you a great picture mm-hmm. of Saul and David, particularly in, in 1 Samuel 17 when he's wanting to fight Goliath. So you, you have the person who should be fighting Goliath. Mm-hmm. He's not. Mm-hmm. But the person you're like, you're sitting now, Kevin Hart? I mean, okay, sure, he's cute, he's, you know, handsome, but he's a little little, you you know, so, um, yeah. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. Um, So you said last week uh, that this is the first time you've preached this passage as a part of this type of series. So uh, talk to us, how did this message come about and why now for Northland? Yeah, so how this message came about is that I knew, and I, I didn't even bring it up in, well, I, I did bring it up in Saturday's gathering, but I didn't bring it up in Sunday just because of the flow and stuff. But 2 Samuel 7 is an extremely important passage in the grand narrative of Scripture. And in 2 Samuel 7, we have the story where David wants to build the temple for God. He's like, he's looking at the tabernacle and he's like, uh, God, I, I want to build you a more permanent structure because here I am in the palace here in Jerusalem and it's beautiful and I'm, and mm-hmm. I have all of this rest that you've given me. So I want to do something for you. Mm-hmm. And God says to, to David, actually through the prophet Nathan, well, tell David, Thank you, but no thanks. Uh, I don't want you to build the temple. And really, he says, because blood's on your hands, because he's this warrior king, mm-hmm. has blood on his hands. And he's like, so so I don't want you to build it, but your son Solomon can build me the temple. However, because of what, because of what you've done, because of your heart, uh, I, I'm going to enter into this everlasting covenant with you. Mm-hmm. And in that everlasting covenant, what God promises to David is to establish an eternal dynasty through the line of David. And so I was actually going to preach on that, but as I really started to unpack, okay, so so let me kind of go underneath even that that eternal dynasty of, of David and, and, and try to drill down even deeper. Why would God establish this covenant with David? Which then led me on this journey and the way I always creative messages. I start with a notepad and I just start writing out what the Lord's telling me about specific passages. Mm-hmm. And so so then I had to go back to you know this idea of all right, so where where did God say that there would be a king in Israel? And so that's where I started going back. So Deuteronomy 17. Mm-hmm. Well then he actually says it to Abraham and so I'm going all the way back. Mm-hmm. And then it really is establishing this idea that God has always wanted a king for his people. Because it goes all the way back to Genesis 1, which I didn't necessarily mention this weekend. But when God creates Adam in his image and his likeness, and he puts him in the, the garden to, to actually exercise dominion, that's king, that's king language. Hmm. And, and so what you have with, with the creation of mankind and God putting mankind here on planet Earth is to exercise his lordship. Hmm is to enact his kingdom in all realms of life. That that that's why, you know, I'm using the the language of people, but but when I use people like so when when God is on mission to to redeem or when we saw in Genesis 1 God's on mission to create a people, what I'm actually getting at is that he's on mission to create a kingdom. He's on mission to redeem a kingdom. 
And uh, but the reason why I've chosen not to use that 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 language in in just that mission statement is because we live in a democracy or a constitutional republic. Because I know somebody's going to you know say <laughs> it's actually a constitutional republic, and I'm like okay, but but. But we don't use that language, so mm-hmm. that's the reason why I use people. And then I have to drill down to what that people actually is. Mm-hmm. So that's how this kind of mm-hmm. came about. And then unpacking a man after God's own heart, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. So that's how that sermon came about, the long answer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's great. And uh, I think I know the answer to this next one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. At what point of the week is your sermon complete? And was this one any different? Uh, it's never complete. It's never complete. Um, like even, even this message, I changed some ordering and some things from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, but I look back at it now and I would say, man, I, you know, you know, was it too much? You know, because I'm also looking at how it is, it is received and processed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so that's where I'm like, there's definitely I could have I could have ordered it probably better could have not stayed on a point as long like uh, at 11 o'clock I chose not to expound on the story of David and Goliath because I'm like I, mm-hmm. I just don't feel like it moves the needle that much so that's where it, it's, it's in constant flux and I, I feel like I've never finally arrived at a final message or a final sermon but mm-hmm. but yeah well, that's cool. It's kind of a living. It's a living document. Exactly. Yeah. And when that, that's why I love, you know, like I love having this podcast of extra takes so we we can all explore it a little bit more. And, right. and, and so it gives me a little bit of freedom where I feel like, okay, I can tackle some things here that I didn't get to there or drill down where I couldn't drill down. Mm. Because there's always more. <laughs> there, there really is because the, the, the word of God is so rich and, and I don't even understand its richness. I, I you know, like is someone who is, like, you know, I've been studying God's word since seriously, I was like 10 years old. I have like little notebooks mm-hmm. of uh, devotions that I would be reading and what God would teach me. And the thing that I tell people today about God's word is God's word is like a diamond. So it's whole. And yes, there is a message there, and in its you know original context, context and content, yeah, it had a message. But you can actually look at that message from different perspectives and see a side of God's scripture that you've never seen before. Like even even this message of really preaching on who's the king that God is looking for to lead his people mm-hmm. and to keep his people on mission. And so like, and and I've never seen it that way before. Mm-hmm. And so it's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so last week uh, we talked about feedback you receive. I want to I want to ask that question again because I think um, it's so helpful to hear how people are processing hmm. the message, and and it sounds like it it also probably helps you as well to see um, that you got it or you didn't. Yeah, like, yeah. Like uh, I I have a child that not not this this past message, but there may have been a message or two where they're like. I don't even know what you were talking about, Dad. Like, and I'm like, "What do you mean you don't? Did you take notes?" And she, you know, I said she. So Uh-oh. now you know who it is. <laughs> I can never do that. I can never stay neutral with my pronouns. But anywho, so, uh, but yeah, so they humble me sometimes. Where I'm like, okay, well, may- maybe it did fly pe- by, you know, by people's head. And so, <laughs> but yeah, I actually got a few comments uh, this this past weekend. And here's one: they sent me a message on Facebook and. 
They said, I can't explain exactly, but the message of David greatly impacted me this morning. I needed to see why David was loved by God so much. And the picture you described is exactly what I needed. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that, you know, what I think this person is saying is, that, yeah, when we look at David, we hear a man after God's own heart, but we also know so much of his failures, too. Right. He committed adultery. He killed Uriah, the, um, one of his one of his mighty men, because of his affair with Bathsheba. He also seemed to be an absent or ineffective father. He did a census, which uh, the Lord says you've sinned. Uh, you, you shouldn't have taken the census. So here's a man that we actually have mixed feelings about. Because hmm. on one hand, he is so loved by God, man after my own heart. But he's failed in so many areas. Mm. And I think what we saw, you know, this week, and I think it's also a running theme, that God does not expect his people to be to be perfect. He does expect them to be holy, to be set apart, to be distinct. And David was exactly that, especially in light of the first king, Saul. Mm. Saul did not have a heart after the Lord. David did. And, and that, that heart is actually seen in these seven purposes. And I think that this is what uh, this verse is getting at is that, okay, I know why God loved David so much now, even though he wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then the other statement that was, uh, that was shared with me, and I loved it. There was a couple that came up uh, to me after the 11 o'clock and they had young children and with, with, tears in, mm-hmm. in, in her eyes, like emotional. And it was so funny because her young, one of her young children said, Mommy, why are you crying? And she's like, well, these are tears. These are tears of joy. Right. And, and what she was saying is that you are not just giving us truth, but you are putting you are putting truth in an overarching story that is helping make sense of our lives. And that I couldn't be happier to have my children grow up in a church mm-hmm where they're not only preaching truth, but they're doing so in a way to give a larger story of how to make sense of our lives, of who we are mm-hmm. as people, but also what we do as people. And I was like, you know, and I, I didn't get what she said verbatim, but that's, that's in a nutshell what she said, because I, I turned to her and I'm like, you are describing what this series is all about. And so, so it, so it, so it made it, so it really brought, brought joy to my heart that here's someone who actually articulated it even better than I could <laughs> about this series and how meaningful it is of how we are connecting the dots in the yeah. overarching story of scripture that helps make sense of our lives. That's yeah. great. Oh, that's so, that's so good. Um, so that brings us to the, the big idea, um, the big biblical theological word that that we were listening for this week, and and it's pretty obvious, king and kingdom. So for both of you, I would just love for us to spend some time on it. Last week, we talked about holiness and this idea from Exodus 19, how holiness does not equal perfection, but it, it equals being set apart. You just said that God does not expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to be distinct and, and does... Um, require a higher standard, but that higher standard is not perfection. So uh, let's talk about uh, the idea of, of king and kingdom. And um, it can be a bit of a, a foreign concept to us, but we are living um, in the already not yet, the kingdom of, of God, but we are also in this world. So um, so go ahead and just, just talk more about that. Yep. 
Which I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Teresa take this because you lived overseas. That's right. You, you right. know, in um, maybe I think even in a place that even had some some monarchy. Or, Certainly a yeah, queen. A queen. queen so I, I, so I'll let I'll let you start out with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you know we lived in Scotland. They have kind of a uh, conflicted relationship with the monarchy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they some of them desire to be independent from. Mm. from her from from the king now (laughs) king charles Mm. but uh i think one of the things that i noticed is and you could touch on this in your sermon just the kind of a crisis of leadership in Mm. the world today people desperately need good leaders and yet Mm. we uh we're seeing failure constantly we're seeing failure it makes you think you know what if david were our king, our leader right now, we would be saying, hey, I can't believe that guy. You know, he's our king, but he just had an affair. And you'd be talking about somebody, you know, he's just as contemporary yeah. as, a, as the leaders we meet today. Mm. But mm. I think, uh, well, I have a couple of ideas. One is when I think about what it means for him, for David to be a person after God's own heart. And I think like the gentleman that talked to you, it is, seems like an overwhelming um, standard to keep because we, and it, and we feel conflicted about it because David was not a perfect person, but I mean maybe this is just my idea, but when I think about what that means, um, because you kind of, you talked about how it might be lived out, but my thought about what that means is that he worshipped God, mm-hmm. he chose God to be his Lord. So he's already positionally in a place where God says, you're a person after my own heart because you've chosen me to be your God. Mm -hmm. And of course, at that time in history, they had so many gods to choose from. And people just kind of wanted to cover their bases and have as many gods as as possible, just in case, you know. But he chose to worship God, Yahweh, and he never, never strayed from that. He never went back on it. And every time when they talk about the different kings after him, they always compare it back to David hmm. uh, and, and say something like, well, he worshiped other gods. And then if they were going to say something positive, it was he, he was like David. He worshiped God. Yeah. And that is a thing that I think is hard to carry forward into today because we don't have, obviously, we don't have idols that we can go into a temple and worship. But we, I think sometimes we're, God, what he's looking for is that heart that chooses him, that heart that decides he's the God we worship. That's the most important thing. And then out of that will flow the things that we talked about, um, all of the the beautiful things that we would love him, that we would embody his characteristics, that we would fight for his enemies and be liber- and liberate people, seek to liberate. We would listen to him. We would, you know, desire to glorify him in all places and you know, seek to make him known. So to me, it's that beginning where, you know, when you know that God is your God, yeah. everything right. else flows out of that. So it makes it a little less, you know, uh, intimidating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that, that is a really good, good point that you're, you're bringing out because yeah, when you study the life of David, yes, he had his ups, he had his downs, but he never strayed from the focus on, on the Lord. Right. Like he, he never chased after other gods. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I like the whole idea of that he listened to the Lord, mm. even in his sin, 
he he would come back. Right. Um, and that 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 actually is setting up once again a pattern of what it means to follow the Lord. Yeah. I mean, we saw Abraham; he abandoned the land of me in, <laughs> in order to receive what the Lord had for him. And so, and and it's interesting because in Joshua chapter twenty three and twenty four, Joshua is giving. He's actually given a history lesson to the children of Israel. And he's like, mm. remember our, our, our forefather Abraham, mm. his his father and them worship many gods in here. And what he's saying, and, and then he's using it as going, we don't do that anymore. Right. We worship one God, right. one God only. Mm. His name is Yahweh. We're in covenant with him. And so once again, bringing out this idea that there are no other gods. Right. There's only one God, and it is Yahweh. And and today, yeah, you're right, Teresa. We don't, you know, it's not like we we, we, we have Moloch or Baal or mm-hmm. Baal, whoever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we have these little statues. Now, in, in some areas True. of the world, they, they do have that. Yeah. But yeah. In, in the West, here in the U.S., we, we don't. But here's mm-hmm. what we do have. <laughs> we have other things. Um, you know, we have malls. Well, we have stadiums. <laughs> mm, we yeah. have mm. emblems like a donkey mm-hmm. or an elephant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have all of these other things that really do act as idols in our life where we are worshiping them in equality mm. with God. Mm. And we're trying to mix in God and whatever it is. And, 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 and what we're seeing throughout Scripture is that no, like... You have one God, one God only, and your life revolves around him, mm-hmm. which is why I think the idea of a king and, a, and kingdom is so essential for us today. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting because I was watching, uh, so I was watching football yesterday, and I will have to admit that there were, you know, there there, there, there was a time yesterday afternoon where football was watching me. Um, so uh, other than that. Wait a minute, what does that mean? I yeah. don't know. Oh, okay, so I, I, I was taking a little I nap. Oh. I was taking a nap, so football. <laughs> was watching me so uh so i see watching football and football was watching me so okay. yeah Got it. uh good good for you yeah good yeah, for you i exactly. mean i was i was drooling i was so tired <laughs> I, you know I always tell people when i preach like here, here here's my definition of good preaching is when you feel like power has gone out from you oh. uh you know how when the you know when the woman touches the hem of jesus's garment mm-hmm. he feels power go you know go mm-hmm. out from him yeah. like i think good preaching is when pa- you feel power go out from you and i you know i was dead yesterday <laughs> but anyways i, I you know, so as i'm watching football you, you know I, I see some commercials and the commercial I, I can't remember what station i was on but it was promoting the coverage of the queen's funeral. Oh, right. Um, and I'm like, we're living in, I'm like, why, why are we so fascinated? Listen, mm. I, I, again, pay your respects to, but I don't live, I don't mm. live there. Right. Like, well, I, don't, I don't have any desire, but but I think it's, there's this infatuation mm. of some kind of kingdom, monarchy, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, and, I, and, and could it be that the reason why there's such fascination is because we were meant for another kingdom? Mm. And so that's why, you know, for me, it's so important to get this kingdom and king mindset and this idea of absolute monarchy, you know, because when you live, and again, I've never lived in an absolute monarch, but here's what I do know about Jesus's kingdom. It's an absolute monarch. 
everything revolves around Jesus. What he says goes. Mm -hmm. And then everything in, in that kingdom, all the commerce, all of, you, you know, all, all of the social needs that are being, everything is done in accordance to what the king has said. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I feel like it is so important for us to realize, even living in the kind of government we live in, that we are part of another world. And that another and that other world is a kingdom with a king, mm. and everything revolves around him. Yeah, yeah. That is so fascinating because we are so individualistic, but we have a fascination with the mar mo the monarchy. You are so right. We love it. Yeah, we I love mean, just yeah, I think I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get their names right, but like um, Harry and, and Meghan, I think. Right. Okay. So, yes. uh, which you know, obviously they've had some drama, you know, over True. the last couple of years with you know with the um, you know the Queen and mm -hmm. all of that. But but I mean, but we were so fascinated. Mm -hmm. And you know, I remember growing up, my mom loved Princess Diana. Sure. You, you know, but 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 while while we while we were well, I can't even say it because I'm <laughs> getting so excited. But why were we so fascinated right. with Diana? Right. Because she was a commoner mm. who who got grafted in grafted into royalty, mm. and so ooh, I think there's a story there because yeah. what Jesus has done, He's married us. Yeah. We are His common, and not only were are we commoners, but we were His enemies mm. that He has now invited mm. us into the royal throne mm. of God to become heirs with him. Mm. So I, so again, I think you know in our culture we get so fascinated with these like princess diary stories when we're living in one. <laughs> like we're living in one. Hmm. So that's really cool. I got, I got excited. Sorry. <laughs> so you won't hear that on the weekend, but that's why this is so good because Aww. we get we, we get a chance to to explore that and yeah. that, that was uh that was really really good. Um so I want to talk about this idea of of Christendom. And we are living in a a post-Christian world you've talked about that and uh and certainly europe is mm. is there um in america if we're I, I think we're there oh yeah we're there so so how is christendom and maybe you can even define it for us how is that different from the kingdom of god i know there's there's some obvious differences but if we're not careful i think we can think that they're the same yeah and even going back to your um your conversation of of the idols yeah. Of this world. So so in America, if we are um, a Christian nation, but then it then it plays itself out as we go to church on Sunday and then consume all of these other things. I think we can blur the lines of what is the kingdom of God and what is um, yeah. what is our our kingdom gotcha. here and what we're making. So um, so what's the difference between Christendom and the kingdom of God? Well, I, I, so whatever I miss, Teresa, you fill in the blanks, okay? <laughs> I'll do my best. So, so the idea of Christendom goes all the way back to Constantine. Mm -hmm. And so when Constantine, you know, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, and so he started baptizing his army. It's like sprinkling, you, you know, like everybody's saved now. So when everybody is saved, then 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 there is, again, no, no mission at that point, right? So... The whole empire now is saved. We're Christian. We're going to follow this. And then the church actually becomes the center of society. And so what you have for, for the continuation is, is in Christendom, 
the church is the center of society, basically ruling and reigning on the Lord's behalf and making everything Christian. But, but then you have to go all the way back. You, you have to go back to the gospel and go, is that what Jesus came to do? Right. Because he, he, didn't for, he didn't force you know people to, to follow him. Mm-hmm. He didn't force people, this is how you behave. Mm-hmm. No, he, he actually died for his enemies. And then he taught this, he, he, he taught this, 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 when I say new ethic of what it truly means to be the people of God. And so love your enemies. And so not, not to kill them, you know, if they don't follow what you follow or believe what you believe. And so if you fast forward, the, the, really the difference between Christendom and the kingdom of God is, is this, is that the church is the center in Christendom where they're trying to force everyone to live as them. In the inbreaking kingdom of God, what what Jesus is doing now? Here, here again, I'm going to give you this give you this rundown. So the kingdom of God is a theme throughout Scripture from the mm-hmm. beginning all the way to the end. So the kingdom of God was initiated in the garden. The kingdom is foreshadowed in Israel. The kingdom is inaugurated at Jesus' first coming. So that's why he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus brought about the inbreaking of God's kingdom on planet earth. Mm -hmm. It is represented, the kingdom is represented or reflected in the church. And then the Bible teaches that, that Jesus will come again another day. And he will come and he will come to consummate, to establish his kingdom once and for all and make all things new. So the difference between Christendom and God's kingdom now in the present is that we that the church was never to be the center of society. Mm-hmm. By and I mean when I say carte blanche, all you know, the church was to be a city within a city. Mm-hmm. The church was to be a light within darkness. So so the church, and that's where the church is a signpost or a reflection or a representation of the inbreaking kingdom of God, because it's not perfect, right? We're not perfect. I mean, going again, we're looking even at David, looking at even the early church, they weren't perfect. But what God was doing is that he was showing that th- this is just a representation of what's, what is to come. So it's already, but it's not yet. Mm-hmm. So in the kingdom, here's what's happening today. As we are representatives and reflection, uh, we are a reflection of the kingdom. So the, you got to go back to Jesus. So how did he reach people far from Jesus, far from God? Mm-hmm. He taught the way, and we'll, we'll actually look at it this coming week because we're going to look in John 20, 21, as the father has sent me, so now do I send you. And so we're going to look at how Jesus came, mm-hmm. but, but he came preaching, he came teaching, he came ministering, meeting needs, mm-hmm. and he came inviting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he all, but he all, he did all of that through dying hmm. and being raised from the dead, hmm. and so uh, because he had he had to purchase our redemption, and he did that through his sacrifice. And so now, if we're going to embody the kingdom, we got to go back to how Jesus embodied the kingdom. Yeah. And so that's where I would say the big difference between Christendom and Christianity that is not the kingdom, but is a reflection and a representation of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. great. I think you did a great job. I don't have anything so, to yeah. add. Um, but uh, one thing I noticed when I was doing the Bible study back when we were in Acts, 
the very beginning of the chapter when, you know, his disciples are, are there with him before he ascends into heaven, they say again, his disciples, is this the time you're going to bring your kingdom on earth? And he doesn't even answer. He just goes on to talk about, uh, you know, you're going to be my witnesses and the power, this power is going to come upon you. And, you know, I noticed that after that, that's the last time they ever mentioned anything like that. Hmm. That's They finally understood that the kingdom he was talking about was not an earthly kingdom. And I think this goes back to what we talked about and how our fascination with pomp, pomp and circumstance hmm. and power. Hmm. You know, we want that, but yet he proves power is a different, uh, It's a we should have a different perspective about power. And also the Holy Spirit is that power that we really are looking for, not in, you know, Harry and Meghan, not in <laughs> right. a king, not in all the, you know, whatever kind of power we, we might be looking at. It's this power that's unbelievable and mm. um, there to take us into, <clears throat> to help us continue the continuation of the kingdom on earth and then to bring about the consummation of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus comes back on a white horse with the sword, you know, yeah. and the king of kings <laughs> he, he, and lord he, of lords. Well, Jesus comes back as the warrior king. Yeah. So he came and, and see, this is where Isaiah and our Northland Women's uh, Ministry, they mm. just started a Bible study through Isaiah yeah. uh, today, went over there and mm. uh, was hanging out with them and uh, prayed for them. Mm. But but Isaiah depicts the Messiah coming as a suffering servant. Right. Uh, but when he comes back the second time, he's coming as the warrior king, and mm. he will fully drive out all of the inhabitants. Yeah. Mm. And just to you know, and, and just to kind of clarify, is that the kingdom of God has always been wanting to be established on earth. Mm. Like that was Adam, that was Israel, that was Jesus, that's the church. And then when he comes back, he's he, he's consummating his kingdom on earth. That's what we see in Revelation twenty one, is that he's bringing a new city prepared as a bride for a group to to earth and so that's where he's restoring remaking mm. the earth and mm. so he's bringing his kingdom to earth and and just you know and, and then this is the also the amazing thing about acts is at the very end of the book of acts here's what paul says now he's under house arrest but he said for two whole years paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him he proclaimed the kingdom of god and taught about the lord jesus christ with all boldness and hindrance mm -hmm. and so what people will talk about in the bookends of of acts is that uh, jesus he's talking about the kingdom uh, before he ascends back into heaven and here paul is at the very end of acts with the bookend going i'm still preaching on the kingdom of god and that's once again like you look at the early church it was about the kingdom mm -hmm. It, it, in the, the kingdom is here, but it's not fully yet. Mm. And so we're inviting people into the kingdom. That's why I would define evangelism is that we are inviting people into the good news story of King Jesus, who's making all things new. So it really is. It's this invitation to a good news story. What's the good news story? Well, the good news story involves bad news. The bad news is, is that your kingdom is doomed. Uh, your kingdom is going to fall one day, and your kingdom is is directly opposed to the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. He has sent his son, who is the cosmic king of the universe, and he has come to die for his enemies, and he's inviting you into the kingdom that he is setting up here on earth, which is a shalom kingdom. It's well-being harmony, mm. uh, flourishing in all realms of life, no disease, no death, no division. And so he's inviting you. So it's the, so evangelism is inviting people into the good news story of King Jesus, who is making all things new. Amen. Yeah.
That's Amen. Great. That is great. I just think, you know, we can't really understand what kingdom means without the Holy Spirit because that's nobody understood it before the Holy Spirit came. You know, right. Jesus was the only one who was able to, you know, keep in keep in his mind the the true kingdom. But uh with the but now with the advent of the Spirit, we have the possibility of being able to understand this in a way that uh, people before us didn't. Absolutely. Or couldn't. It's Amen. Good. Okay, so as we wrap up, we'll do one final question. Um, so God choosing David was not expected, and uh, his dad, Jesse, certainly didn't see it coming. Speak to why. Th- this is a theme throughout the Bible. Speak to why uh, God chooses the unexpected again and again. Yeah, I mean, it really is a, a running theme um, mm. that, that you see. And so, I mean, you could all you could go all the way back to, I mean, even Noah. I mean, because I mean, God created Adam, and so it's not like Adam sitting there going, "Hey, pick me, pick me." I mean, God just creates Adam. But then you go, "Why, why Noah?" And people would say, "Well, because he was a righteous man." Well, was he? he you, you know, because um, later I mean, on probably, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, but you, you know, you keep fast forwarding, and so, so you really start seeing it really come into prominence with Jacob and Esau. Mm. So, so Jacob and Esau, they're sons of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. So he was the promised one, which Isaac's name means he laughs because once again, Sarah, you know, and even Abraham, I mean, they just kind of laugh at the fact of how old they were and God provided for them. But so Jacob and Esau, they were brothers. They were twins. Esau comes out first, then Jacob. Well, Esau should be the one carry, carrying the blessing. Well, but God's going to choose Jacob, the unlikely one. Mm-hmm. And then you keep fast forwarding and then you kind of get to Moses. Now, Mo- Moses is in some sense the unlikely one to lead God's people out of Egypt. Why? Because he has a speech impediment. Because mm-hmm. he's like, Lord, I, I can't do what you're really asking me to do. Although he's always wanted to be a rescuer and deliverer. He was the strong man. Mm-hmm. You know, so we see that he takes out an Egyptian. Then he goes and he fights the people that are harassing the the, the, the women at the well as he, as he fled into the wilderness. So he, he does have this kind of, you know, hero thing about him. But yet when it when push came to shove about electing someone to lead God's people and be the leader, he's like, I'm not I'm not a good spokesperson. Choose Aaron. Choose anybody but me. And so he's like, oh, no, I'm going to choose you. So I'm going to dis, dis, di, you know, display my power through you. Then you keep fast forward and you see David. He's he, he's the unlikely one. Uh, you keep fast forwarding and, and really throughout kind of the Old Testament, you're like, well, what is God doing? And then you get to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is really the most unlikely hmm. God man out there. He doesn't come in royalty. He comes to uh, poor uh, teenagers, hmm. um, you, you know, and so he grows. He grows up in, um, you, you know, in the middle of nowhere in mm-hmm. Nazareth. Like, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, salvation for the world comes out of Nazareth. <laughs> Only that. But then, when he starts his ministry, he he brings uh, he, he brings twelve unlikely people. Mm-hmm. N- none of them were in the temple system. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some people would say that, like Paul or Jane, or not Paul, Peter or James and John, they kind of owned their their fishing business, so they may have been like middle class. But but again. These are uneducated people, mm-hmm. uneducated Jews, and yet he is going to turn the world, as we you know, see in Acts 17, turn the world upside down. Mm-hmm. So what does this mean is that, hey, if you feel like you're not qualified, if you feel like you're not gifted, if you feel like you are a nobody or unknown, 
that's exactly the, the, the requirements that God is looking for to use you. Yeah. I always joke around like, I mean, I'm from Mumford, Tennessee. And I know you're like, where's Mumford? That, exactly. <laughs> that's why I have to say right outside of Memphis. Yeah. I mean, because it was, it was a, you know, uh, a little small town, a rural town of less than 3,000 people. Mm. Um, you know, I always joke around about my high school. Yeah, and you know, I remember taking Spanish in high school, and one day we were going to watch The Lion King, and I'm like, "Oh, great! I'm going to watch Lion King in Spanish." Well, uh, because in Dallas, some class had already, re- you know, rented out The Lion King in Spanish. We watched The Lion King in French, right. and I'm like, "What? Well, you know, it's just kind of high school that I grew up in." And so, uh, it's, but I, but where I look at where God has taken me, I mean, mm. it's the Lord. Right. Like I'm the most unlikely person to be here at Northland, such. A, such a prominent church with an incredible history of pastoring, you know, and to be able to pastor uh, such an incredible church. Like, I mean, I'm, I really am just unknown nobody mm. and just want to want to make make Jesus known. So, yeah. Amen. That's Anything great. else to add? Well, before I we just think when, you know, there have been times in my life when I just thought, well, they're going to pick me. Yeah. I'm the likely you know, but then they don't, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. But then there are times when it's like, oh, I, can, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And then they pick me and immediately I'm hmm. humbled mm. and also asking God why this is happening. Hmm. So there's a connection that happens, you know, when we are asked by God to do something that we don't expect. It makes us think, it makes us uh yeah. You know, ask for advice. There's, know, there's a reliance on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have a, a core value that I've, I've used in in a couple of different places. If it's not bigger than us, it's too small for God. Hmm. Because what, what God is really wanting to call us into is things that that make us uncomfortable, mm. you, you know, that are bigger than us. Yeah. Why? Because if they are bigger than us, if we feel like they're bigger than our giftedness or our abilities or our skill set, then that's exactly the place he wants us to be because we are completely dependent upon him, which then I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up now with a little bow, which is why he called David. Mm. He, he's the runt. Hmm. He's the least likely person that should have ever been called to be the king of Israel, the warrior king, to fight God's enemies and to liberate God's people. But but what he what he saw, what God saw was a man after his own heart. And he's like, I can use that. Mm-hmm. I can use that. I, I, I can work through that, right. which is why I don't think David really ever fully got too big for his britches, mm-hmm. because even when he failed, he always he always went back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm completely dependent upon him. Yeah. And that's what Lord that's what the Lord really wants is is a person, a man or a woman after his own heart that would carry out his purposes to make him known among the nations. Amen. Well, this has been a. Wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Teresa, for joining us. Hey, Northland fam, uh, we love you, and we are so grateful to God for you. Have a blessed week, and we will see you this coming weekend. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.